Well, good evening. We're glad to have you with us tonight. And of course, we're here for uh, Brother Charles's ordination. We spent a little time with him this afternoon, and uh, he knew the answers. He didn't even have to use any lifelines to, you know, come up with uh, the answers. So that was good. And so we appreciate you taking time to come and be with us as uh, we go through this great step in the life of a church. Amen. Not a lot of churches in America ordaining guys into the ministry, and God's really blessed us, allowed that to be something that we've done here last several years. We pray that it'll just continue on and on until Jesus comes, and so we do appreciate you coming and being with us. We're going to start with a word of prayer, and uh, it's good to have my son all the way from Topeka here. Brother Jeremiah, would you mind standing, open us in a word of prayer tonight? And please stand, we'll sing hymn number 397, Little is Much When God's in It. of Jesus.
seated. Amen. Well, it's an honor to have uh, our council with us. Uh, these are men. I, when we started talking about this, Brother Chuck and myself, I asked him who he'd like to have on his council, and so he handpicked these guys. I don't know if he thought they'd go easy on him or whatever, but uh, I know that they're men that he respects. And so I'd like to take a moment and just introduce the council to you. Let's start over here. This is Brother Jamie Jett. Please stand. Brother Jett um, teaches down at Heartland Baptist Bible College. And we figured out that he has known Charles the longest of any of us. So, yeah, we just, uh, we just blame Brother Jett if it all goes awry, okay? Next to him is Brother John Nelson. Brother John Nelson pastors Vandement. Uh, Avenue Baptist Church down in Van Yukon, Yukon, uh, Oklahoma. And uh, Brother John and I were uh, actually did time together in Liberal uh, on church staff. And uh, he got out before me. I, I don't think it was good behavior that got him out, but he figured out how to get out of there. So I've known Brother John. He's a good man. Sure praise God for him and Miss Diane. Next we have Brother Don Rice. Brother Rice is Miss Crystal's daddy. And uh, we've been praying for his health. It's so good that they could make the trip, come all the way from Fritch, Texas to be with us. And so it's an honor to have Brother and Mrs. Rice with us. Next we have Brother Darren Dusher. Uh, Brother Darren pastors Berean Baptist Church in Council Grove. And our Parsons, a long time ago, I went back long. He was in Parsons a long time ago. Our Council Grove a long time ago. Boy, I'm getting all tongue tied. Anyhow, he's in Council Grove. Well, tonight he's actually in Shawnee, Kansas, okay? Anyhow, he pastored a church in Kansas, okay? But he's with us here tonight. We appreciate uh, Brother Dusher and his wife um, being here with us. And then we have Brother David Walden. I had the opportunity to meet him through Brother Chuck. I've known the rest of these guys, uh, but met Brother David. Him and his wife came up last year and spent some time uh, with Marino's pastors in New Mexico and has been there for how many years? Eight years. And he looks too young to have been someplace eight years, doesn't he? Uh, but we appreciate you coming and being with us. All right. Uh, then we uh, want to bring up Charles and Crystal. So this is Charles and this is Miss Crystal. <laughs> And uh, I've been teasing Miss Crystal because I told her, I said, you know, you, you're going to have a part in the service. And I kind of like to watch the wives just squirm just a little bit over that. And so there's no pressure. You can tell, you know, th these are all friends and all that good stuff. But I'd like for you to know that Charles, you know, is going to go out and be a pastor, that the pastor's wife is saved. That's good to know. So I just want to invite her to come and give a testimony of her salvation to us and her willingness to go to California. So, met my dad. <laughs> He's lovely. Um, I grew up in a pastor's home. Uh, ministry has always been a part of, um, not, not a part, ministry has always been our life. Um, I grew up uh, in, a, in, a, in a home that made ministry something to be desired. And um, uh, I was, I, at the age of five, I... Uh, made a profession of salvation, um, 
I, I probably didn't fully understand um, all of my sin, all of, all of what that was, but I did know that I wanted to follow Jesus. And um, so I made a profession at five. I had different times in my life that I felt like insecure in that. Um, maybe knowing that I was trusting in, you know, a prayer or trusting in, um, in, in a specific time rather than actually the, the work of Jesus Christ. And um, so th throughout my life, I had had different times of doubt and um, made assurance of it and everything like that. Um, if I'm honest with you, I don't have a date um, of, of, when, of when I accepted Christ, but I do know Christ as my Savior and, and know that, um, that my desire is to live for him and to follow him. Um, I, I, did accept, I know that I accepted him as my Savior um, and the free gift that he offered. Um, like I said, uh, the home that I grew up in made ministry something to be desired. Um, it, was, um, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a burden. There were burdens but it wasn't a burden to be a pastor's kid. It wasn't, um, my, my parents really worked hard to, um, to protect me um, and, and my brothers and sisters from, um, from, from Satan's attacks and from the, from the flesh attacks and everything. Um, and so I, I never felt like, I, I can't say that I, that I felt like, oh, I'm called to be a pastor's wife. I'm called to be a ministry wife. But that's always been my draw. It's always been my connection and um, meeting someone who um, whose heart has been to be a pastor as as long as as long as he can remember. Um, it was it was no scare. It, I mean, there there are intimidating things about it, but it was no scary thing. Um, and I'm so thankful for Chuck and the husband that God uh, that God gave me, and um, I'm more than honored to be by his side and to follow him in this step. I, uh, I have every bit of confidence in my husband and um, not in his self, but in his heart to follow Christ. And um, he's not a perfect man, but um, if you ask me, he's pretty close. <laughs> um, and, and just knowing how closely that he follows Christ and, um, and his heart for service, his heart for the ministry and his heart for the Lord um, is not just at church. He's same here as he is at home, and um, I have, and I, I'm just, I'm like I said, I'm just thrilled that I get to serve alongside of him um, in that. Amen. Thank you, Miss Crystal. All right, now we'd like to hear uh, from Brother Chuck about his uh, salvation and then his call uh, to the ministry. Uh, most of the time when I was growing up, I grew up in a Christian home and uh, went to church for as long as I can remember, um, but I actually didn't get saved until I was 14 years old. Um, I knew all of the uh, all of the Bible club verses, and I, I knew all of the songs, and I knew all the right words and stuff, but I had never, uh, I had never made it my own um, until well, one day I was at Christian school chapel, and my principal was preaching about uh, wicked people from Psalms and uh, from one of the Psalms, and uh, it was it was then when I was 14 years old that I felt like I, I, I at that time I needed to to finally settle it in my heart that that uh, that Jesus would save me, and so at 14 years old I accepted Him uh, as my Savior. Um, during my senior year of high school, um, uh, the Lord had uh, used one of my Christian school teachers to uh, 
to have us do a project based on a vocation that we wanted to do. And so having felt like God wanted me to, to preach, um, I chose pastoring as the vocation that I wanted to study for this project. And so through that, I had opportunity to talk to uh, different staff people at our church and as well as a, a sister church uh, in the same town where I, where I was living. And uh, it was through that project that the Lord really uh, cemented in my heart the call to pastor a church. Um, not, not just generally to preach, but specifically to lead a group of people um, toward him and for the evangelization of the world. And so um, that's, uh, that was during my senior year of high school. And, and so from that, I went to, uh, went to Bible college and, and trained and worked at, at uh, what God wanted me to do. So. Thank you, brother. Yeah. What about your uh, Paul to Cowley? How does that work? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, well, so most of you probably know that the Lord has called us to go to San Marcos, California, uh, to replant a church there. And uh, so we have, uh, I have actually over time, I visited the church that I am now voted in as the pastor of. I visited there two times before I went to go candidate. And, uh, and so when I heard that the church had opened up, God had been working on my heart about, about actually stepping out to go pastor somewhere and and so we started praying about what uh, where God would lead us and uh, talking to different uh, different friends of mine in the ministry that I look up to. Um, I talked to the the former pastor of the church that that I've been voted in at, and um, he was explaining to me his heart for California. And um, he, he the way that he explained it just grabbed onto me so much that um, I felt like that's that's really something I need to get behind and. And so he said, you know, people from all over the country can, can sit back and complain about California and how terrible it is and how terrible the people are um, and how California is ruining our country, um, or you could come here and do something about it. And, uh, and so that just that struck me so much. And so um, God called us to go and to pursue this church, North Hills Baptist Church of San Marcos, California. And uh, so on Christmas Day, they voted us in, voted me in as the pastor. And so... We're going to uh, proceed to an uh, interrogation. We interrogated Brother uh, Chuck over several different areas of doctrine, and uh, Brother Dusher is going to come on behalf of the council. He's got a few questions. We want uh, Brother Chuck to show to you what he's already shown to us as far as his ability to handle the Word of God and uh, to know doctrine. And so, Brother Dusher, if you'd come. Amen. It's an honor to be here and be a part of this for Brother Chuck and, and uh, Miss Crystal and looking forward to, to them and their work there in California as well. My wife has long said, don't let them have California. It's just too beautiful. So we're glad that he's going to go there and get it back. Amen. So we've spent about a bit of an hour with him this afternoon and talking about the major doctrines of the Bible and things that that he needs to know, that we know he knows, and he knows he knows, but we wanted to find out if he knew why he knew them, and that he could stand there when things were difficult in his pastorate, and so uh, we feel uh, the questions we asked him were thorough, and his answers were very, very well uh, given and spoken of, and we've chosen three we'd like him to, to answer to the church that's going to ordain him tonight, uh, Lord willing, and um, so that you know 
that he's confident in these things as he goes forth to serve the Lord because he does represent you uh, from this point forward. He'll be a part of this church's family and where he goes to is where he came from. So we've asked him to, to give us defense of the scriptures in the Bible uh, to the church tonight. Doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. The Bible is the sole authority of our life. The 66 books that we have um, in our Bible, uh, they were uh, providentially preserved for us uh, in the King James Bible. And uh, it's the sole, the sole authority for our faith and practice uh, by which we live and by which we govern our church. Amen. Second question we ask him to give a defense of is his view of the church, biblical view of the church. Uh, the Baptist Church is a um, is a local, visible uh, collection of, of baptized believers um, that uh, that exist as a body, a, a local body. It's not a universal. Um, it's not a universal body that's invisible that you can't see. It's made up of local bodies, um, and the church has been, uh, the Baptist church has been given the authority to uh, to go out to evangelize the world and to baptize and make and make disciples um, and to build other churches and to plant other churches. Um, the the church has two officers um, in the pastor and deacon. Um, the the church also has two ordinances in the baptism in baptism in the Lord's Supper. Uh, baptism is for believers only, um, and it's through the authority of the local church, um, and the Lord's Supper is uh, delivered to the members of each local body. It's uh, what we call closed Lord's Supper, um, and uh, we believe that that's what the Bible teaches us about the church. Thank you, Brother Chuck. The final question we've asked him to answer tonight for the church is his view, of, his biblical view of the end times eschatology. <clears throat> Uh, the next event that will happen in the in the end times is the uh, catching up of the body of of the believers uh, that have believed in Jesus Christ, and they will be raptured out uh, of the earth to be to meet the Lord in the air. And so, shall we ever be with the Lord? Um, following the rapture will be a time of judgment called the tribulation uh, that lasts that will last for seven years. Um, there will also be a judgment seat of Christ where believers will be judged based on the things that they've done. Um, and following that will be a millennial kingdom where God will. Uh, for the second time, come all the way to earth and will set up a kingdom where he will judge perfectly uh, for a thousand years. Um, and following that uh, uh, will be the great white throne of judgment where Satan and, uh, and his demons and those, that have been un those who are unsaved uh, will be cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. Amen. Thank you, Brother Charles. You can have a seat right there. So, gentlemen, I understand... Uh, as I was there, that uh, there was a vote taken, and Brother Ricea would like to speak to this at this time. I take a personal second. I want to say thank you. Uh, not many churches would have given our son and daughter to. That's it. They were in good hands. God Thank you for helping raise my granddaughters. Say thank you. Love you. My son-in-law. We have three sons. I hope that's all right with you. We have three sons, not two. Charles is the third one. Right about. 
it's the recommendation uh, recommendation of all that we are recommending to you. We believe Charles has met uh, through the uh, time we spent together. Charles knows what he believes. He believes what's right. And so we recommend to you coordination of Charles. Gospel. Amen. Thank you, brother. So the way this works is these men come in. They're not actually the ones who ordain. They're helping us as a church. And so they've come in and quizzed, questioned, prompted, helped. And so the recommendation is to us, the church, because we are the church, are the ones that are ordaining, saying, yeah, this is our guy. We believe he'll go uh, stand on the Baptist doctrines that we as a church stand on and that we're 100% behind him. So would I have a motion from our church to proceed? Thank you, Brother Stephen. Uh, Would there be a second? Okay, we have many of them. Uh, And so we appreciate that. All in favor of proceeding with the ordination of Brother Charles, a good hearty amen. Anyone opposed? That's good for your health. All right. At this time, at this time, we're going to have a prayer. Uh, We've invited Brother Rice uh, to do that. And um, so, Brother Rice, I think these microphones are good. I'm going to give him the orange one. You just pray right there, brother. Let's pray. Our Father, probably not many folks in the world think what we're doing tonight is important. But it's very important. Yeah. Because the hope of our nation isn't in government, but it's in a pulpit. And Lord, I just pray that you might bless this service. Once again, we pray you'd bless the future ministry uh, of Charles and uh, his family. Father, we pray that you would, uh, we'd all hope that you'd use us to make a difference, to love people, to live for you and to serve you. And because you love us, Lord, would you allow us, teach us to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You would stand once again. We'll sing hymn number 441, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
Thank you. You may be seated. I thirst I should come to him no one else can satisfy I should come to him Jesus said if I am number three reason the girls one and two now he's actually here's the fourth reason because there's three of them but uh, anyhow that was precious Charlotte you did a great job it's the hardest part of him going to California is coming back to visit the kids but uh, he'll make that work somehow right all right 
Well, it's our honor to have Brother uh, David Walden come and preach. I'm excited about this young man and the work that he has done uh, there in New Mexico. So, Brother, this is yours. Come and give us what the Lord's given to you. Amen. Possibly, this is my opinion, one of the most overlooked qualifications of a pastor is the way in which he pastors his own home. Yeah. And I say that because it's a very touchy subject. We don't want to overstep our bounds and say, well, you're not handling your home correctly, you're not training your kids correctly, this and that, but not known Charles for a long time. We went to school together, but during that time at school, I wouldn't say we were uh, close friends, knew each other. Um, it wasn't until after we graduated a couple years, and I was trying to remember this afternoon when exactly it was, if it was 18 or 19, somewhere in there we invited them to what we used to have, a Friendsgiving, and would just invite some ministry couples from our area or a couple hours, and we'd have a Friendsgiving a couple weeks before Thanksgiving, and just have a time to get together and have a good time. And they came, and, and we just had an awesome time. I, I look at it this way. Uh, there's some friends that you have that you just meet, and you're friends immediately. Yeah. And then there's some that God places in your path and Amen. says, you need him or you need her. Yep. And I believe Charles and Crystal were that for my, me and my wife that day. They came over and they, they were not planning on staying the night. And they got about, I don't know, 10 or 15 miles down the road. And the heaviest fog that Roswell's ever seen came in. And they're like, eh, I think we'll stay. <laughs> and so they turned around and stayed. And, I, and if I'm remembering correctly, it was like 4, uh, 3.30, 4 o'clock, something like that, in the morning that we finally retired and went to bed. And just had an amazing time. And it's been just a, a wonderful friendship from that moment on. And so thankful for Charles and Crystals and just the, the great example they've been to us. And, and when he sent me the letter about being on the council, and then I began to read a little bit further, and it said, you're preaching the, the charges. Well, I thought he said he, he sent the letter to the wrong person. <laughs> and, uh, and then when I got here and uh, was among these other men here, I thought he definitely sent the, wrong, the letter to the wrong person. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, very thankful for the opportunity this evening. I, I will say this, I've never done necessarily a charge for an ordination service, and so I don't know, it may be unorthodox in the way in which I'm going to preach this evening, or, or, or maybe the, the, the text itself would probably not be uh, the text that you would probably choose uh, for an ordination service, but it's something I, I've preached many years ago, and uh, just really when he asked me to preach, I thought, what in the world do you preach? Because the reality, I'm thinking of it as a pastor myself, uh, we wouldn't be going through this process right now if he was unqualified. Right. Uh, the, 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 really, the reason I came here today was, was not, or I, I had no intention of, or let me put it this way, I would not have traveled this distance if I did not think Charles was fit. Or, or a scripture would say he, he is no longer a novice. And so, there, so I was thinking about this, and I thought, well, do I preach on the qualifications? And I thought, well, that, that's good, and I'm not saying that it wouldn't be a fitting subject to deal with, but he's qualified. 
He's there, and we know that. And so I want you to turn this evening with me to Proverbs chapter number 14. And I'm going to try to, to mainly preach to Charles and Crystal this evening, though we all would understand the Word of God is good for everyone. And there's something even in here for you this evening, but I'm going to primarily deal with Charles and Crystal this evening. Proverbs chapter 14, one simple verse this evening that has been a a tremendous blessing in my life. I don't remember exactly when it was, if I'm remembering correctly, about six years ago, uh, studying through Proverbs, the very first time I I, I preached through the book of Proverbs and and came to this verse, and man, it was just like the Lord uh, slapped me upside the head and then the other, and then proceeded to come back again and one more time. And help me in this area uh, that many times, if we can put it this way, well, let me just read the verse to you before we get too far ahead here. Verse number four, Proverbs 14 and verse number four, if you will, if you will stand in honor of the reading of God's word this evening. Proverbs 14 and verse number four, the Bible says this, where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but... Much increase is by the strength of the ox. Let me read it one more time. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. The crib, if you will, just for a moment, is the stall. It would be your barn in which you would house that critter. Where there is no ox in the barn, guess what? There's no mess either. But he says, he says, but there's much increase by the strength of the ox. So he's insinuating or implying here, there's two different individuals, one of them has an ox, and one of them doesn't. But he gets into this situation that we'll get in here in just a moment, and I hope that it'll be a help not only to you, uh, but Charles and Crystal, I hope that this would be a theme in your life as you move forward from this point on. So Father, as we come to you this evening, we want to say thank you, number one, for the opportunity to be here and to be a part of a tremendous and wonderful service and duty of the church. And Lord, what an awesome thing it is to even just see You have your hand upon the life of Charles and Crystal, and as you are now leading them in a different direction, Father, that you would continue to have your hand on them. You would lead, guide, and direct them. And Father, as they go, that you would open doors that they're supposed to walk through, and you would close doors that they are not supposed to go through. And Father, you would just be very clear in the direction in which you would have them to go. Father, we love you this evening, and we pray that you would uh, just use your word as it's intended to in our lives to change us and to conform us into your image of your dear Son. Father, we love you. It's in your precious name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing this evening. The picture here given is this, farming in Palestine. It would be that the oxen were used in that day as we would use tractors today. They were the ones that pulled the plows and pulled the different implements in the field. They, they did this. They, they increased the labor of the farmer. See, it doesn't take much effort. If, if any of you are here, you're in Kansas farming area. I understand this. So maybe some of you would, well, just even just raise a hand. How many of you have ever had a garden? 
So it's not too bad if you want to have a garden that you could actually put in some labor and you could have a little bit of garden. But if you want that garden to be profitable, then you need to increase it and you need to have a farm. Makes sense, right? If you want to make a living off of it, you would add more to it. Thus, you need to increase your manpower and able to produce the desired effect of that farm or produce more uh, crop than you did with just sustaining maybe just your family and that would be it. So the illustration is that, the, the farming illustration, the oxen were used for the plow to, the, the plow, uh, to plow the fields, excuse me, to tread out the corn and the wheat, and to even bring in the sheaves. So they were a vital beast of burden in that day. They were a necessity, we would even say this, for someone who wanted uh, an increase, if you will, as Scripture even says. They were used simply this in order to magnify or increase the efforts of that farmer. And so the truth is, though, you don't have to have that ox if you just want to have that garden, as we just said. But if you want much increase, then it would behoove you to have that ox. But Scripture is very clear here in this, that if you get the ox, with the ox comes much responsibility. See, you can't, you can't see the benefits of the ox unless you water it, unless you feed it. Unless you clean out the stalls. See, I always, when I read this proverb as a, as a young man and growing up, I always related it to this. Well, it's a bad thing not to have an ox, but it's a good thing to have an ox. And I really always looked at this proverb as a good or a, a bad versus good. But then as I, as I was growing and, and really when the Lord wanted to teach me this lesson, He said, no, listen here. Is it a bad thing to not have an ox? Is it a bad thing to have a clean stall? You can, you can voice back. We have a dog. I, I grew up having dogs. I, I love dogs. But I'm to the point right now, I really don't care for the responsibility that it takes to have a dog. And you say, well, why? Because when you're on a trip to Kansas, you've got to have someone that's responsible enough to take care of that dog. And I got to line it out. And I got to make sure that there's food. And I got to make sure that there's water. And oh yeah, let me add this to you. I usually don't feed him every day because he's got a big enough bowl that he can eat for a week on that. But listen, it gets cold at night now. And so water freezes when it gets below freezing. I'm telling you, my friends, having a pet, it is a great responsibility. Having an ox, though, listen to this, that's just a pet. Right. That dog <laughs> doesn't produce anything for me. <laughs> it's not even a benefit anymore because her hips are so broken down she can't even walk. <laughs> but an ox, on the other hand, would produce my, or excuse me, would magnify my efforts. And so now when I began to look at this proverb as the Lord was dealing with me on this, he said, listen, it's actually a good thing to not have an ox. You don't have all that extra and added responsibility. But it's better to have the ox. 
Because by the ox, there's much increase. So it's good to not, but it's better to. And, and that's an amazing principle in that verse that has transformed myself. As a young man in the ministry, going in the ministry, there's so many responsibilities that fall upon the pastor. And, and I can relate, Brother Charles, to the church that you're going to, not necessarily in the same area. Roswell is, is not a, um, how would we say this? It's not California. Got to give him a hard time somewhere. But it's not like expensive in, in that type of area. I think you understand what I'm saying. But I do know this, the, the church that I, I had the privilege to pastor, God called me there and when I first went there and the transition took place and there was just, without going into any details, some circumstances and situations that took place that when I was voted in as the pastor, the, the church was about 15 to, to 25 people somewhere in there, uh, depending on who was sick that week and who wasn't and, and different things such as in that nature. And so I understood this, that as I stepped into that pastorate, what I did not understand was this, that when you're a very small church, the pastor pays the bills, the pastor pays the missionaries, the pastor checks the mail, the pastor does the bulletin, the pastor vacuums, the pastor cleans the bathroom, he unplugs the toilets. He cleans up the Sunday school rooms. He takes out the trash. These men, these men can understand. That they, they would know these things. And I want to say this in, in the best way that I can. That is a good work. It has to be done. It has to be done. Song books in pews and, and chairs are, are becoming a thing of the past. But I remember the pastor I learned under, we have the old style pew with the rack there, and, and it had a, 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 a song book, a Bible, and a song book. And if all of those song books were not standing up like little soldiers, that, that was the term. They better be standing up like little soldiers, evenly spaced, my friends, to this day, two fingers on each side. It's a good work. Why? Because it presents a good image, a good picture for the visitors and those. That, you know what it says this? We care about where we're at. We care about those things. And, and so those were good and, and taking care of the bills and, and paying the missionaries. At, at that time, we had uh, over 100 missionaries that, that we supported. And, and my friends, that was a job in and of itself. And all these other responsibilities. And that's not even to mention the praying and the studying and the visiting and the counseling and the pastoral duties that were there. That was a good work. And I found myself as a young pastor doing this, being caught up in a good work to the neglect of the best work. To the neglect of the better. Well, what's the better? It would be that, the praying. The preaching, the studying, the, the visiting the people, the, just being out among the sheep, if you will. There was a time there where I, as a shepherd of a church, I did not smell like the sheep. And that's a problem for a shepherd. Right. He's got to smell like sheep. 
See, what this proverb is doing is it's, I believe the principle that's being taught here is this. Do not settle for what is good solely based upon ease when the best is still available. Do not settle for what is good solely upon that it's easy. Because can I tell you, as, as a pastor paying the bills, checking the mail, cleaning the church, that's easy. You know what's more difficult? Counseling, studying, praying. Making sure that every time you enter this pulpit, this sacred place, that those that are out there leave with what we have termed in Bible college and different individuals a take-home truth. That they get something out of this every time it's opened. But you know why that? It's hard. It's difficult. There's going to be even weeks that Man, there's stuff that's piled this high on your desk. And you know Wednesday's coming. You know Sunday's coming. And you're like, I'm going to take the easy road. No, 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 wait a minute. There's more responsibility with the ox, but there's also much increase with that ox. So what I want to say this evening, we're not done. Don't get excited. Charles, keep the ox. Clean a crib. Keep much increase. Is it going to be hard? There's going to be days in which you're going to want to quit. <laughs> but keep the ox. Don't say, you know what, I'm tired of the ox. It's too much trouble. I've got to groom it. I've got to keep up with it. I've got to water it. I've got to, I've got to feed it. I've got to do all these things. That's not even, listen to this, if you know anything about animals, that's not even including, that's just the beast itself. Then you have all the tack and the implements that even in today's modern society, it's not the leather and the straps and the brass and the, and the steel rivets and things like that. It's this grease and oil and gasoline or diesel mainly and all these maintenance things that need to be taken care of and it's good, but listen, don't neglect the best just for the good because the good is easy. I think it would be a help to all of us, even in every area of our life, to remember these simple principles. If I can just give one overarching for all that would be in here this evening. Now, Brother Charles and Miss Crystal, this would obviously apply to you, but let me just apply it to one major area for all of us to get on the same track here, our minds on the same road, if you will, and apply it in this way. What about parenting and training children? It's a good thing to raise your kids in church. Can I get an amen? It's a good thing to raise your children in church, to send them to the youth group or the Sunday school classes or to the nursery or to camps or to extra activities that your church may do. It's a good thing. But it's easy. That's easy. No, come on. That's easy. 
The best thing is this, though, to not leave parenting and training up to the church. To not leave parenting and training up to your Sunday school teachers. To not leave parenting and training your children to somebody else. What's best is when they get to church, that what they are taught from God's word in Sunday school or from the pulpit, that it is reinforcing what they have already been taught at home. That's what's best. So it's good to bring them to church, praise God for that. But what's best is to put in the extra effort and you train them at home. That, that, that's it. Is everybody on the same page now? Okay, so specifically I want to speak to Charles. Now this is going to deal with everybody as well. But Brother Charles, you're going to pastor a church here soon. You're going to be there. I understand you've been voted in and you are the pastor, but soon you will be there and you will be in the thick of it, if you will. And so what about separation? I know we dealt with some of these things as, as the council back there interrogating. It's a, it's a good thing to be separated from the world as a man of God. It's a good thing. But from my understanding of separation or, or my understanding even of, of holiness and striving to be holy, it's this, that there's a separation from something. Amen? It's good to be separated from the world, and that's good. But what's best is to be separated from the world unto God. So it's good to be separated from the world, good. What's best is to be separated then unto God. Do this in the way in which you would conduct yourself. It makes a difference in your community that the church and you have a good name. We could do it this way. Pay your bills on time. It's a good thing. In your attitude. In your business ethics. Be different from the world. Because the world already knows that there's a bunch of people who are going to be late on every payment. And there's someone's going to call and say, hey, can you give me an extra couple days or an extra month? No, 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 no. Are you with me here? What about in your character? In the standards? If I can even touch on the standards for just a moment. It's like a hot topic issue. Don't have standards just for the sake of standards. Biblical standards. Ones that you can stand upon in that area. And we could go to music and what we watch and, and just go down the line on all those things. What about separation? It's a good thing to be separated from the world, but it's best if you're separated from it unto the Lord. What about pastoring? I recognize even with some pastors here behind me and Brother Metzinger out there, that a pastor's responsibilities are different in the size of church that you would have and, and if you would have staff or not, the, the pastor's responsibilities would, would differ depending upon what staff, if you will, have or the positions. But the truth is we as pastors can get caught up in good things even as we spoke up earlier, paying the bills, it's a good thing. 
Checking the mail, it's a good thing. Having a bulletin ready, that's a, a good thing. We get caught up in those things to the neglect of the best things. And those good things are easy most of the time. And I won't have any details on this, but I can remember specifically as a younger pastor, or I should say I'm still young, young in the ministry, young in pastoring, the first, I think it would be fair to say confrontation that I experienced. I, I personally absolutely hate confrontation. Do not like it. I would just soon run out the door, say, you know what? Everything's fine, it's fine, just, you know, it's okay. I, I don't, I, I do not like to deal with it. I, I do not like, com- I do not like someone that, uh, that, that, let me put it this way. I, I'm almost envious of those who thrive in com- confrontation, because there are those people, and I'm like, how do you do it? Yeah. I'm like shaking and sweating. And, whoo, get me out of here. I do not want to deal with it. It's hard. I, I don't remember. I think it was Brother Dusher that mentioned in our meeting there. The first time you go through with it, it is hard. But you know, the next time I went through with it, it got a little easier and a little bit easier. I'm not saying it's easy today. I still do not like it. But there's some things that are worth. And I think I'm going to go ahead and say it. They're worth the fight. Why? Because there's much increase when we stand upon this. But when we say, oh, you know what? I don't like it. It's a lot easier to go over here. And hide. That's easy though. Don't take the easy way out. Why? Because there's much increase if you keep the ox. And just don't let him go, but keep him. I think of maybe even this area, we would term it visitation, soul winning. Uh, probably an area in which every single person struggles with. I, I know there's some exceptions to the rules of people who just like to cold, cold calls, what they call it, or knock on some random people's door and just strike up a conversation with them. Not me. When the Lord called me into ministry, I thought, you sent the letter to the wrong guy. I don't even like people. <laughs> but visitation's one of those areas, or follow-up visits. Can I, can I put it this way? It's good as a pastor to send out a letter and express your thankfulness for them joining you that Sunday. Saying, hey, we're glad that you came here. Maybe even send them a, visitor, or a, a, a gift card or something like that, whatever you would do, some type of gift. That, that's a good thing. I, I think it's even needful. 
But what's best is to send the letter and then go visit them in their home. Go, go spend time with them. Because a, a letter is personal and I enjoy letters and I think there's something to be said of a handwritten letter from somebody. Uh, but there's also something to be said about a personal visit to that person's home that says this, I truly and genuinely care about you. And people realize that. It's best to go see him. You say, well, why? Because you'll get to actually know him. And you just may very well get the opportunity to open up Scripture and show them the plan of salvation. Is that not the duty of what we're supposed to do anyway? It's kind of hard to if we never go talk to anybody. What about your own personal walk with God? It's easy as a pastor to get to a comfortable spot in ministry and neglect your own personal time with God. Because it, it would be this, this becomes my textbook in which I find instruction for other people. Because this is true, I'm always looking for the next sermon. I'm always looking for the, oh man, it's, it's been on my mind. I'm thinking about this and God gives me a thought and this is what happens. Man, so-and-so needs this. <laughs> no, wait a minute. So-and-so needs this. And we can get to a place as, as even pastors to where we're so comfortable with the Word of God that it is only a textbook from which we preach on Sundays and Wednesdays. And it's no longer a love letter from God to me. Uh, there's an individual, most of you would know him by name. His name is Charles Spurgeon. He called this, or he coined this term, ministerialism. And he, 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 he wrote it out in this way, and, or defined it this way, if you will, ministerialism. And in his words, he said this. He cautions that if we as, as ministers study the Bible more as ministers than as Christians, more to find matter for instruction for the people than food for the nourishment of our own souls, then we neglect the, to place ourselves at the feet of our divine teacher. It's good to preach. It's good to read. It, it, my, it's good to study this and then preach. <laughs> but what's better is for you to have a personal walk with God. Because then you'll be able to preach. I, I found it to be true in my own life. There was a time, and I believe it was this time that, that God was dealing with me on this specific verse. And He said, man, you're doing a good thing. But you're not doing the best thing. You're preaching how, how people should have a, a heart for God and a relationship with Him like no other, yet you're standing behind the pulpit guilty of the very thing you're preaching. And it's true. It can happen. I 
I think it's even fair to say this, if I can go a different direction on preaching and teaching. I, I think it's fair to say, and I believe the pastors in here would agree with me, it's pretty easy to preach the text of the Bible and give the sense of what is being said. And it's good and it's needful. But what is best is to not only give the sense of what it says, but then to apply it to the lives of people. Because I, if I understand Scripture correctly, the, the intention of it is to get down within us and change us from the inside out. But it cannot do that, listen to this, if we don't apply it to our lives. We, I just preached on Wednesday at a Proverbs chapter number 22, and in verse numbers, I believe it's verse number 18, if I'm remembering correctly, Solomon's speaking, it's kind of a, a, a switch in, in Proverbs, in which it, it kind of ends the individual Proverbs, and he goes back to writing somewhat as a, as a letter form to his son. And he, he's telling his son this, hey, I want you to know for certainty of the words of truth. And, and really, if you break that down, what he's literally saying is this, is that I want you to know for truth that the word of God is truth, and that's the truth. I mean, really, when you break it down, that's exactly what he's saying, that the truth is the truth for truth. And I want you to know for a truth that this is fact, that the truth is truth. I mean, he could go on in that regard. But this is, this is what's so awesome about the Word of God, is it is the most powerful book that this world has ever laid eyes or hands upon. But listen to this. You render the Word of God powerless when you do not apply it to your life. Knowledge is not enough. If it just stays here, it's not good enough. Let me put it this way, and, and you might catch it better. I would rather be a Christian who chews on one verse a day and applies that one verse a day than a Christian who reads six chapters and applies none of it. So I think it's fair to say, let me say this again, it's easy to preach and give the sense of the text. But what is best is to give the sense, but then apply it to their lives. That's what's best. That, that's even what's needful. Where we present a call to action. Where, where you would give a, a principle in such a way that relates to the people where they can walk out their doors, not more confused, but more settled in their heart of what has just been said. There's so much more that this principle could be applied to. So much more that could be said. But if I can even just encourage you in this way, brother. I've not been around you every single day. But I know this, the few, the, this will be my second time here, was I think visited one time when they were there in Fritch. I've just been able to see the work ethic, the dedication, and, and I think I'm fair in saying this, Charles 
has kept an ox. And there's been much increase. I, I think it's fair to say, and, and I don't think I'm taking liberty, I shouldn't. But I have this feeling, Brother Metzinger, when they leave here, there's going to be quite a hole to fill. And can I say it? That's a good thing. In fact, I believe it would show this, that you did what was best. You kept the ox, and you cleaned the crib. Can I encourage you, when you go to California, keep the ox. It's going to be hard. You're going to deal with some people that are going to be hard. It's going to be difficult days ahead. But it's worth it. Why? Because there's much increase. Don't do the things just because they're easy. Though those good things need to be done, don't do them to the neglect of the better things. So we love you, brother. We're excited for you. We're praying for you. Keep the ox. Clean a crib. All right. We uh, come to a point where we're going to lay hands on Brother Charles and pray over him. And uh, so... Brother Charles, why don't you come up? Could you bring your chair with you? Why don't you just set it right up there? And um, what we'll do is we'll have each um, preacher come by. They'll lay hands on and pray, whether they want to pray out loud or just between you and Brother Chuck. And the rest of us will set uh, prayerfully uh, and then... Uh, when you're through laying hands on, uh, we have a certificate to be signed over here, okay? So, um, I'm going to start it, and then we'll go Brother Dusher, Brother Walden, and then Brother Rice down, okay? Right. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we love you tonight, and so thankful for Brother Chuck and his love for you. Thankful, dear God, we've had an opportunity to have him here these last three years. What a blessing uh, it's been. And Lord, uh, there's been a lot of growth in his life. And God, he's helped me grow. I appreciate that. He's been a blessing to the church and uh, helping in the many different areas where he's labored. And Lord, he's been a faithful servant of yours. Lord, as he has proved himself, I pray that you would take him and use him in the ministry in a great and mighty way. Lord, you'd go before him, and uh, I know there's a lot of spiritual battles he's going to face. I pray that he'd stay in his word and on his knees, that he would keep himself sharp in the word. We know that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord, that he would drop on it in his time of need, that you would give him the victory. I pray as he goes to that town, Lord, that uh, he would recognize that although he is small, you are great, and although the task seems insurmountable, that you're the God of the impossible. And I just pray that you'd go before him. I pray that you would anoint him and protect him and use him for your honor and glory. We don't know what a day holds. We don't know what 20 years holds if you tarry your coming. But we know you have a plan for Brother Charles and Miss Crystal. We pray that you would make it very evident to them. I pray that... 
the church there at North, North Hills would be revitalized and grow strong again. Lord, that uh, they would be able to secure their own property and that we just hear some great and mighty things being done for your honor and your glory. People won to the Lord, lives being uh, put on the right path. And Lord, that you would just bless uh, that church, that it would be a lighthouse in the community, a soul-winning station, that it would send forth its own laborers into the field to do a great and awesome work for you. Just uh, bless uh, Charles and Crystal as they uh, tie up the loose ends, as they gain their support to go. Lord, supply, uh, supply those needs and then supply them a place to live uh, there to the place that you've called them. Might they bring honor and glory to you. Might be faithful in praying for them. We ask it in your blessed name. Amen. And every soul go blessed and work in Jesus' name. Are there in the San Marcos area, and Father, use uh, them in their time there to uh, do great and mighty things for you, that they would see many souls saved and lives changed, and Father, that you would just grow that church. Father, we just pray especially for Charles and Crystal that you would, uh, Father, just give them the grace that is necessary to uh, complete the task that you've been given to them. And so, Lord, we even understand as Paul plead with you for his a thorn in the flesh that you said your grace was sufficient. And so, Lord, I pray that that would be something that is remembered every single day when they face the difficulties and the trials of ministry, that they would understand and remember that your grace is sufficient, that you did not call them there with the intention of leaving them to hang out to dry, but you called them there with the intention of using them. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use them even greater than you already have. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.
Father, I pray for my family. And I pray, Lord, that you might uh, use Charles and Crystal in a great way. I pray that you might, through his life, that you might uh, remind him of the promises that he's made to you to stand true to the word of God. Lord, we uh, are grateful. I pray that you'd help them with the firm conviction that you've called them to where they're headed. And uh, I pray that you'd just help us to be mindful that there are lost folks in California. And that we're not going to give up on them. But that you use them in the, in the way you see fit. I love Charles and thank you for allowing me to have part of his life. Lord, that, that you put Charles and Crystal together couldn't be prouder and I just pray Lord that you might bless in a special way keep him focused on you and in love with his family and use him to win souls and to glorify you that he might make a difference in Jesus name Amen There'll be times of darkness. There'll be times of fear. There'll be times of want. Lord, Brother Charles can go through them all as long as he knows that you're with him, and you will be. And I pray, Father, you give him that courage, and I know you will. You'll supply it when it's needed. But Lord, give him the faith to realize that he'll never have to face anything alone. Be with him, Lord. Be his courage. Be his strength. Be his stay. Bless his home. Bless his family. And we'll thank you for what you accomplish through this one of thy choicest servants. In Jesus' name, amen. to use
frail people to do a mighty work. And we just pray that you'd be with Charles and Crystal and the girls. You'd hedge them about, protect them. I know, Father, that as soon as he steps into the ministry as the pastor of a church, he's a target. And I pray that you'd protect him. Lord, help him to love you with all of his heart and all of his soul, all of his mind. God, because if he loves you the way that he should, he'll love your people the way that he should. So God, use him. Fill him with your spirit. Lord, help him as he stands behind the pulpit to preach with power and fervency. And I pray that you'd protect his precious wife and his daughters. You give them safety as they travel with the new work you've given them. Lord, fill him and use him. We love you. And thank you for Jesus who died and paid the price for our sins. In his name we pray. still look at mine from time to time and remember those guys that I answered to you'll take this with you as you go you look back just remember we have faith and confidence to know as long as you stay surrendered to the Lord you're going to do some great and mighty things for his glory Amen. congratulations Pastor Charles Marino Amen we have you a, an ordination Bible. I let Brother Charles pick the color, and uh, so that's for you. And then my wife has a gift for you, Miss Crystal. And I think Brother Charles has some gifts he would like to give. I didn't uh, ask these guys. I thought that they would go easy on me. Um, but I uh, really have um, uh, greatly appreciated and looked up to these particular men. And so... Um, uh, and I, I don't have time to tell all the stories uh, of each one of them, the impact that they've had on my life. Um, but I will share one. Um, the, one of the few times that I've been able to spend a lot of time with, with Brother David, um, we, we had gone to Roswell to visit one time. And um, having known the struggles that he and Miss Joellen faced during the beginning of their ministry, 
Um, it was such a special uh, opportunity for us to be there the first time that they had hit um, another attendance milestone to get back to where they had been and uh, to be just to be part of that and to uh, see him and his faithfulness and and again I don't have time to go through all of these men but I love them so much and so I, I, I want to get them something useful uh, sometimes people get something sentimental and that's fine I want to get them something useful and so I got uh, an overnight bag that's uh, embroidered with their initials um, and so um, <clears throat> uh, pastor got this for you love you so much Brother Nelson, God bless you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you for the new lunch bag. Yeah. <laughs> brother Jet, thank you so much. I love you. Yes, sir. Dad, love you. Thank you. I'll look better next time. Thank you so much for coming. I love you. Thank you. Mine's full of money. <laughs> Dad, I appreciate it. I love you. <clears throat> I also got two particular gifts for two of the members of my council. Um, <clears throat> Brother Nelson, for um, I think uh, about 30 years, um, published and sent out a daily devotional um, free of charge to whoever wanted it. And he would pay the postage and he wrote them all. And um, at, uh, a few years ago, I had started to think like it would be terrible for any of that to be, for all of it to be lost um, for 30 years of labor. And so I went to him one time and asked him if he had uh, any of those devotionals left. And it happened to be that he had one year um, left on record. And so I asked him if I could have it. And uh, for a lot of years, I'd wanted to do this for him um, and finally had the opportunity. And so I compiled all of them, a year's worth that he had into a book and published. This is the only copy that's in existence um, of one year's worth of, his, of In Green Pastures devotionals. And so I wanted to give you this. Um, and then our own pastor, um, I know that there's one thing that he loves more than almost anything else on this planet, and that's Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple. And uh, he gave his life for this place, and um, uh, such a blessing to see his faithfulness. And so uh, he gave me a Bible for my ordination. I'd like to give him a Bible uh, for my ordination. Um, and um, <clears throat> I, had, uh, I had our church logo branded into it and his name on the bottom, and so um, I wanted to give this to him. I love you, man. Praise the Lord. We're just about out of here. Uh, we do have a time for a reception uh, set up. I'd encourage you to stay. Um, Brother Carl, could you get an offering plate and put it on that back table back there? Um, we'd like to take a, a free will offering for the Marinos. And so dig in there and maybe you're planning to go get a hamburger afterwards and they're about $20 a piece now. So you can dig out, you know, like a, we'll call it a hamburger offering that we're going to take. Um, but this will just be money to be a blessing to them as they prepare to move. 
and uh, just show them how much we love them and care for them. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer. It's good to have a good friend of ours, Brother Andrew Rodriguez, come and be with us. Brother Andrew, would you mind coming up here? Brother Andrew is from uh, Riverside up at St. Joe, Missouri, Brother um, Marshall's uh, youth guy. And uh, so I'm going to have him close us in a word of prayer. And then if you'd also hit the refreshments with that, I'd appreciate it. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for... uh, Wow, Lord, you're so good to us. Lord, I thank you for Brother Chuck and Miss Crystal. Thank you for their friendship. And Lord, just the kindred spirit. And thank you for the charge and the word of God tonight. Uh, Lord, even in my own life, that I'd keep the ox, not settle for what's easy, even though it'd be good, but Lord, to settle for the best and strive for the best. We do pray for Brother Chuck and Miss Crystal as they head out. Uh, Lord, you'd go before them. Lord, I know there's going to be difficult roads ahead. It's ministry, it's people. We're fighting spiritual warfare. And I pray that in those times where the road is hard, the road is difficult, that Brother Charles would remember the men of God you've put in his life to encourage him, to strengthen him, to give him counsel. But most importantly, I pray that Brother Charles would remember that there's a God in heaven who's called him, who has counted him faithful, putting him in the ministry. Lord, it's you that puts us in the ministry. It's not ourselves. It's not a a church or a parent. It's you. And God, as we strive to live and minister according to your calling in our life. pray that you strengthen this couple. Lord, thank you for Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple. Lord, for Pastor Metzinger and the people here who've invested in the Mariner's life these last three years. Lord, their labor was not in vain. And as they send this couple out to the West Coast, uh, Lord, that you would bless them and, and bring another couple in that you could use in a mighty work that's being done here. Lord, so thankful for what you've done in, in uh Brother Charles and Miss Crystal's life, and looking forward to hearing the blessings of how you're going to use them in San Marcos. Lord, excited for what you're going to do. Even in California, Lord, we're excited. I'm originally from California, Lord, and I know that place needs the gospel. I have family that live in California, Lord. They need the gospel. Go before them. Lord, bless the food, the fellowship, the time we have together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.